you know, in this series, we talked about the God-inspired dream, getting through life's uh, pits, um, the favor factor, overcoming temptation, the value of the supernatural we talked about last week. And today I want to talk to you about, about character matters or character counts. How many, how many of you would agree that that's true? That's a true statement. Character matters or character counts. And we, I want to begin by, first of all, just defining what character is. You know, because sometimes we use the word character in a way that, that we're not talking about today. Like you say, man, that's a character right there. So what is character? What do we mean? Does, does that mean that he's shady? You know, like, oh, that's a character right there. No, what we're talking about is that character is those inner qualities and that moral strand that an individual possesses. Uh, the English word for character comes from a Latin root word that means to engrave or to carve or to etch as in stone. And character uh, is that inner godly quality, that virtue that is Christ-like, that's etched and carved into the spirit and into the heart of an individual. And that's what we're talking about today. It's about having godly character. Because really, in short, what character is, as we're looking at it today, character is godliness. How many of you believe that we need godliness in our life? Amen? Good old-fashioned godliness. Amen? And so we're going to talk about that today. And why does that matter? Why does it matter that we have godliness or character? Well, the Bible gives us a lot of reasons, but, you know, your character determines the level of success in your life. How much character you have makes a difference. In Proverbs 4 and verse 23, the Bible says, guard your heart more than anything else because the source of your life flows from it. Now, my paraphrase of that verse is that pay attention to your character because it influences everything else in your life. Character affects every area of your life. Think about it. Character affects your relationships. Character affects your career. It affects your emotions, your finances. Character affects your, the mental state that you live with. And of course, character affects your spiritual life. There's not one area of your life that character doesn't affect. Isn't that right? Character matters. John Morley said this. I think it's a profound statement. He said, no man can climb beyond the limitations of his own character. No man can climb beyond the limitations of his own character. You know, character is like rungs on a ladder. The more you have, the higher you can go. It's like rungs on a ladder. And some people can't get off the ground because they don't have any character. But if we will concentrate and focus on character, we're going to get off the ground. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? You know, somebody said that, you know, you can build a successful life with your gifts and your talents only to tear it down with your character. You know, people invest all their life in honing their education, their gifts, their talents, and they start succeeding, they start prospering, they start getting somewhere, and all of a sudden their character just grabs them and just yanks them back down. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, um, it seems like I use a lot of football illustrations. I don't know why that is, ladies. Maybe I should go to the mall more and maybe I'd get probably better illustrations, right? 
But, you know, those of you that, you know, pardon me, ladies, if you don't know about this or understand this, but, but there's a guy um, that was nominated uh, for a Heisman Trophy last year, a defensive player, which typically there's not a lot of defensive players, and they're kind of like the most celebrated, honored football player of all. And his name is, is Tyron Matthews. They call him the Honey Badger. Incredible, incredible season last year. The guy was, I mean, he looked like he was going to be the Heisman Trophy winner this year because he, there was no stopping him. I mean, his, his skill level was off the charts. And do you know he got kicked off the football team this year? Why? Because, because of lack of competence? No. But because of character. And I'm not being critical of Tyron because, you know, hey, he can get this thing worked out. And his future can be bright. Amen? But it's just an illustration of how character... I mean, you could be doing so great and all of a sudden your character like a rope wrapping around your ankle just pulls you down. And that's what we're talking about. Does character matter? Yes. Why does most marriages fail? Character issues. Why does most people not get promoted or not go up in their career? Character issues. Why does people uh, not have any friends? Character issues. Character issues goes deep. It goes deep and it affects every area of our life. And as you look at the life of Joseph, you can see that Joseph's character mattered. It made a difference in his life. And I believe that if we will pay attention to our character, it will make a difference in our life. Amen? I believe one of the reasons, one of the factors that Joseph was able to go from the pit to the palace because he was a man of character, godly character. And so I want to look at some characteristics that I believe you could see in Joseph's life that you and I can look at and apply to our lives to help us get up the rungs of the ladder so we can not stay on the, on the ground spiritually and, and physically and emotionally, but we can move up the ladder and we can live the life that God has ordained and, and desires for us to live. Amen. So let's look at it. Characteristics that will help you succeed. Number one, a servant's heart. A servant's heart. Joseph had a servant's heart. As you look at the life of Joseph, you remember whenever he was sold into slavery and uh, he was, he was uh, in Egypt as a slave, the Bible tells us that, that, that he faithfully served Potiphar. The scripture says in Genesis 39, you should be there. In verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. So Joseph was made Potiphar's personal servant, personal assistant. Why? I believe because he served so faithfully. And, and, the, and Potiphar saw his, his faithfulness in just serving. And he said, you know what? I like that guy. And I'm going to give him more to be serving over. You see, listen, I don't know if they have any, bio, any courses in, at UL on servanthood, but they should. They should have a course because serving will get you further than your intellect will if you do it properly. Amen. When Joseph was thrown into prison, he 
he served the prison warden. You remember that in Genesis 39, 21? The Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him showed him as faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Now, how could a warden put a prisoner over everything? He had to see something in him that resonated with him to say, you know what, this guy will be responsible and he will handle matters and I won't get in trouble because of his lack of responsibility. And so Joseph excelled in prison. He excelled He excelled in, 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 uh, as a slave. Why? I believe because he was a servant. Now, what is a servant? Why, why do you need to be a servant? Well, I believe that it's, it's the greatest attribute that one can have. Jesus said this in Matthew 23, 21. But the greatest among you shall be your servant of all. He shall be your servant. What is a servant? You know, the Greek word for servant is a picture of a waiter or a waitress who painstakingly attends to the needs, wishes, and wants of his or her client. When you go to a restaurant, you sit down, and somebody comes over there, can I get you something to drink? And you say, yeah, I'll take water, whatever. And then, and then they come back, can I get you something to eat? And they're looking over that table, if they're a good waiter, a good waitress. And if they say you drink this much out of your water, they go and fill that water glass back up. And they just look, they, they're just, you know, they, they will make note if you got utensils on your table. And they'll make note whether you got everything you need there and that you're well satisfied. That's the picture of a servant. They tend to the needs of other people. And the servant is the one that looks after the needs, not of themselves, but looks at the needs of other people. Amen? And God said, the one that is going to be the greatest, the greatest in the kingdom of God or in my church will not be the one that sits at the table, but the one that is willing to look at the needs of those that are sitting at the table. Amen? You know, listen, let me just, those of you that uh, are, are working for an employer, you know what's the best thing you can do to get promoted? Serve. Serve. Serve your boss. Serve. Listen, two qualities of servants is number one, they have humble hearts. You know, Jesus said this, the greatest people, uh, the greatest people are the humble people. And he used this illustration. He was sitting down with the disciples one day and, and they were saying, hey, Jesus, we're having an argument here. And, and, you know, Peter thinks he's the greatest and I think I'm the greatest. Could you clear this up for us? Because, you know, I mean, let me tell you some of the things that I've done, Lord. And this guy, I think I'm the greatest. Lord, would you just set this straight and anoint and appoint me the greatest? And Jesus said, well, let me explain it to you like this. Luke chapter 22. They began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they're called friends of people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a... Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves... The one who sits at the table, of course, in the natural and in the world's eyes, the one sitting at the table is more important. But not here, Jesus said, for I am among you as one who serves. Jesus explained that the greatest leader is a humble servant. Is a humble servant. A second quality of servants are they, they care for the needs of other people. You know, how many of you like to be around selfish self-absorbed, self-centered people. How many of you just can't wait to get around people like that? 
I mean, you just you look for it, high and low. I mean, can I find one selfish individual out there? How many of you, on the other hand, you look, you are gravitated towards people that are not selfish? Isn't that true? And you know, so Jesus says, you know, the reality is nobody likes to be around somebody that only cares about themselves, is only centered on themselves, is only talking about themselves. Nobody likes to be around somebody like that. Everybody likes to be around somebody that's selfless, that cares about the needs of others. And if you want to succeed relationally, you must learn to serve others. Jesus said in Philippians 2, 4, don't be interested only in your own life, but care about the lives of others too. And so listen, a servant cares about the needs of other people. They don't just work. Look, the servant, the waitress in the restaurant, their whole job is so that when we come in, they make sure that all our needs are met. That's their whole focus. And Jesus says, that needs to be your focus. In your family, you need to see, how can I meet the needs of my family? Hello? Is anybody out there? That's a good place to say amen right there. Say, oh my. And so listen, you know, a servant is willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to meet those needs. They're willing to sacrifice their resources. They're willing to sacrifice their time. And Joseph was an unselfish man. Listen, whenever he got put into slavery, this guy wasn't expecting to be a slave. He wasn't signing up for slavery. But that's where he ended up. But did he get down? Did he get downcast? Did he just sit down and cross his arms and, and his lip fall down and he get boudeed and he just, you know, you know, whined and complained? No, he said, hey, I'm here. Let's see what I can do around here, man. Can I help you? Can I, can I do this? Can, let me serve them. I'll take that food over there to the prisoners. I'd be glad to do that. See, all he did was serve, and because of that, God elevated him. You see, sometimes we, we overly complicate things, and we look for the deep things of God, and God's just saying, I'm looking for somebody that is just willing to help somebody. And if I can find that somebody, I'm going to put my grace on that body and they're going to be blessed of me. Listen, the happiest people in the world are not selfish, self-centered people. The happiest people in the world are those that are selfless. Amen? And so listen, God wants to bless our life and character matters. And so we need to learn and we need to develop this servant's heart. Let me ask you, do you have a servant's heart? Are you always expecting your spouse or your family to serve you? Are you always looking for what, what's in it for me? How am I going to get blessed by this? Or are you one of those who's not internally focused but outwardly focused and say, man, how can I be a blessing to somebody else? You know, listen, some of us are naturally servant-oriented, but some of us are not. Amen? Come on, Amen? And so listen, we need to learn. It it doesn't matter whether we are or we're not. Jesus said, you need to be a servant, which means we can do that. Amen? Listen, servanthood will move you further along in life than anything else. Amen? The second characteristic that will help you succeed in life is compassion for people. Compassion for... What is compassion? It's to have deep sympathy and pity for the hurt and the struggles of others. 
You know, it, it's, it's the ability to enter someone else's experience. It's like being able to get in their skin and being able to connect and be able to understand, man, that must be difficult what you're going through right now. And whenever you have compassion, you, whenever you just, whenever you get around people that are going through a lot, you have a sense of, man, boy, this must be tough on them. And there's a pity, there's an understanding, and there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a compassion that flows out of your heart to say, man, are you okay? Is everything all right? And man, you know, sometimes you can be hurting and you can be in a crowd of people and there's very few people that just can look to the crowd Say, man, are you okay? Are you all right? But you know, we need compassion. And I believe that compassion was part of the attributes of Joseph. Do you remember whenever he was being seduced by Potiphar's wife and and she was coming, she was approaching him and approaching him? You know, and whenever he responded to her, do you remember what he said in Genesis 39, 7? He said this, Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held nothing back from me except you because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. You know what Joseph was, he was thinking about Potiphar. This is his wife. This is somebody he trusts. This is somebody he loves. And so he, part of the, the strength that he had not to succumb to the temptation was he was concerned about Potiphar. Are y'all with me out there? And so he had compassion for the leader that he was serving. Not only that, but do you remember whenever he was, he was thrown into prison? He was thrown in the prison. And remember whenever uh, the butler and the baker were saddened? The Bible says in Genesis 40, they remained in the prison for quite some time. And the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph who looked after them. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and the baker each had a dream one night. And each dream had its own meaning. And when Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they had both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today? He asked them, what is that? What is that in Joseph that in the midst of being thrown in the prison, unjustly, falsely accused, and he's sitting in prison, and instead of sitting there and just moping, and just crying and complaining, he's looking around at others and he sees these two guys and he notices that they are discouraged, that they have a downcast spirit. And it's through his compassion for them that God released his empowerment so that he he could interpret their dreams. Compassion. Do you have compassion? Does your heart, does your heart have any feelings for other people that are hurting? I believe that the children of God should have compassion. Don't you? I mean, listen, if G- is Jesus compassionate? If Jesus is in us, should we be compassionate? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the deeper we go in God, the more compassion we should have. Amen. We talk about spiritual maturity. I tell you, in my, in my uh, estimation, spiritual maturity means a whole lot of love flowing out of your heart. Come on, are y'all with me? I didn't say prophesy. I didn't say lay hands on the sick and they get healed. I said the love of God flowing out of your heart. 
Amen. To me, that's the greatest estimation of spiritual maturity is love flowing out of your heart. And Joseph had that. Listen, compassion releases the supernatural in your life. And what happened to Joseph was Joseph was moved with compassion, wanted to help them. God gave him the ability to interpret their dreams. And it's the interpretation of the dreams that released him from prison. You know, that's just like God. We get concerned with other people. We go help them. And God said, I'm glad you're doing that. And he slips a blessing right into our back pocket. And we go, wait a minute, I was just trying to help them. And we walk out and we got something in our pocket. We're like, man, I wasn't expecting this. God says, I know. But I love the fact that you're compassionate. Amen. And God, listen, everybody wants to be used of God. But I tell you, you know where the supernatural flows out of compassion? The Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion. You know what? Compassion will move you to do something. Jesus was moved with compassion. In other words, you know what? Compassion is, 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 has action in it. It's action-oriented. You know, compassion is not like, oh, you're suffering, brother? Oh, I'm sorry about that. I'll pray for you. You know, which means, you know, I, I don't know what else to do, so I'm just going to get out of this. But in Mark chapter 6 and 34, Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them because they were like a sheep having no shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When Jesus saw the crowd that was hungry, he, he supernatural flowed out of his life. He multiplied the loaves and the fish. Why? Because he had a heart for people. And somebody said, if you want to be used of God, you ask God for a compassionate heart and God will use you in a great way. Amen. Because God uses people that are compassionate. And compassion will always lead you to action. Remember the Good Samaritan? You know, the Good Samaritan, uh, that story in Luke chapter 10. You know, this guy got robbed. He was, he was attacked by some robbers. They beat him up, took his money, threw him in the ditch. He was bleeding and, and, and maybe he was going to die right there. And this priest, on his way to preach a sermon, he goes by and he sees the guy in the ditch. And instead of going over there to help him, he walked over to the other side of the street. He didn't want to see the need. And then there was a Levite, and he coming down the road. He was probably going to usher at church, and here he comes, or, or lead the music or something, and he comes, and he sees the guy laying in the ditch, and he's like, oh, man, I don't want that. looks like work. I'm coming over here, and he goes on to the temple. And then the Bible says the despised Samaritan looks down into the ditch, and he sees this guy bleeding. He feels compassion for him. He feels the pain that this guy is in. And instead of crossing the street and walking on the other side, he walks down into the ditch. I want to read it to you in Luke 10, 33. A despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds and olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I am here. See, compassion moves you to action. See, this man was moved with compassion and it got him into the ditch. See, compassion moves you to minister to other people's needs. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of great, great gifts and talents and ability in the body of Christ across the nation. That if our hearts can be softened with compassion, there will be a whole lot more ministry going on in this country. Amen?
And so listen, you know, the reality is some of us have it, some of us don't. You know, Pastor Brandon and I were in this meeting and uh, this guy was talking about this, this trait, compassion. And he said, honestly, he said, I just got to be honest with you. He said, I didn't have any, I'm a pastor and I don't have any compassion. People say, man, pastor, I'm going through this. Get over it. You know, I don't know what to tell you, man. Just go on. Hey. And he said, you know, it bothered him that he had, he lacked compassion. He could see people just broken up and there's nothing that resonated with him to to just even care. And he said, you know, the Lord convicted him of that and said, man, you know, as a shepherd, you should have compassion. And he said, you know, all I knew to do was to bring it to the Lord in prayer. Say, Lord, I confess to you. I got a hard heart. I got a calloused heart. I don't care about people. I don't care about people's hearts. Lord, would you change me? And he said, God began to change his heart. And all of a sudden, he started feeling moved with compassion. He saw people in need and he was moved to do something about it. And he said to us, he said, you know, he said, the more compassion that God gave me, the more miracles began to take place in my ministry. The more compassion I had, the more God began to to bless my life. Why did Joseph succeed? Part of it was because he had compassion. Listen, the world is a tough place. And if you're not careful, the world will harden your heart. Amen. So we need to stay before the Lord and say, Lord, don't let me be callous. Don't let me be hard hearted. Lord, give me a tender heart that is moved with compassion. Amen. Amen. The third characteristic that will help us succeed, I believe that we can see in the life of Joseph, is a life of purity. One of the most powerful verses in this whole story of Joseph is in Genesis 39, when Potiphar's wife was, was uh, when, when Joseph was facing the temptation of Potiphar's wife, and in verse, in verse 39, uh, chapter 39, verse 9, it says, Joseph, uh, there was no one greater in this house than I. He has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then can I do this great evil and sin against God? Joseph was concerned about what? Sinning against God. You know what I think? You and I should be worried about sinning against God. You know what that tells me? Joseph was concerned about living a life of purity. And because he was concerned about living a life of purity, God rewarded him, honored him, and caused him to succeed. You know, the Bible says that God honors and blesses those who pursue a life of purity. The scripture says in Proverbs 15, 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. The Lord is far. Listen, if you want God to get far from you, don't worry about a life of purity. Just go ahead and do whatever you want. Consume whatever you want. Practice whatever you want. Behave like you want. Don't worry about it. But I tell you this, if you want God to be close to you, live a life of purity. If you want God to answer your prayer, live a life of purity. Isn't it great to be able to have access to the throne of heaven? And you say, God, I need your help. And God would come and help you. Isn't that a blessing, saints of God? I tell you what God's, the word says, that God hears the prayer of the righteous. In other words, those that live uprightly before God. You know, listen, purity, holiness is, is not 
out of, it's, it's not out. It, it's not old school. Amen? It's new school. It's still popular in God's eyes. It may not be popular in the world's eyes, but it's still popular in God's eyes. Come on, y'all help me preach this morning. Amen? And so listen, just as God stays a distance from the wicked, he draws close to the righteous. You know, listen, I tell you this, the most important thing that we can worry about is that our heart is right with God. If our heart is right with God, there's no talent, there's no limitations, there's no, there's nothing that, that is impossible with God. Amen? Hey, you know what? The Lord also uses those who pursue a life of purity. In Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20, it says, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the Master to use you for every good work. How many of you want to be used of God? Amen. You just walk uprightly. Keep your heart right and God will use you. He's looking for a utensil that he can use. Amen. Amen. And finally, the fourth characteristic that will help you succeed is patience through adversity. Patience through adversity. Is that a character quality? Yeah. You know, listen, whenever you don't have any character and you go through times, oh man, how many of you know adversity will push out the evil in you, the ugly in you? Amen. You know, listen, whenever you get tired at night, that's when that's whenever you become a monster, right? Adversity, even if it's lack of sleep, will cause you to be somebody that you're not normally. Amen. Adversity will push everything in you out on the outside. And so listen, adversity can do one of two things. It can either make you bitter or it can make you better. It's going to do one of two things depending on how you respond. Depending on your perspective of it. If you're patient during adversity, it will make you better. If you're impatient during adversity, it will make you bitter. You know, impatience is like, God, I want you to change this and I want you to change it now. But if you're patient, you just, you just go through the process. Let the process have its way. And on the other side, you're going to come out a better person for it. Amen? Listen, when we look at the most, the mature, the, those that look like Moseses or Mother Teresa's in the body of Christ, and we say, man, I want to be godly like that. We just don't know what they've walked through to get where they are. Amen? If we, if we knew what they went through, we would maybe not be so quick to want what they have. Amen? But listen, godliness is forged in the fire of adversity. And so we need to be patient in adversity. Listen, adversity itself does not determine our destiny. You know what does? Patience in adversity determines our destiny. You know, two people can go through adversity. One gets up another rung on the ladder. The other one drops down one. Because now they're bitter. They got a bad attitude. Amen? And so there's three ways we can respond to adversity. Number one, we can, we can play the blame game. And we could start blaming everybody around us. And our focus is on uh, this one and, and that one. And, 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 you know, all our focus is on blaming other people. That's our first response normally is to start blaming somebody for our adversity. And although somebody may be the cause of our adversity, that won't get you anywhere. 
Amen? It's true that sometimes we're in adversity because of some bad decision somebody else made. But listen, I tell you, blaming other people will not do you any good as you go through your adversity. I tell you what I think it'll do. I think it'll just keep you there longer. Amen? It'll just keep you there longer. Another way we can respond to adversity is we can have a pity party. We can have a, we could sit down and just have us an old fashioned pity party. Woe is me. You know, like the old hee haw song, gloom, despair, and agony is on me. Amen. Nobody cares about me. Nobody's even concerned about what I'm going through. And listen, self-pity results from focusing exclusively on ourselves. But you know, again, listen. You know, having a pity party, I believe the devil is the author of this pity party. Amen. The devil loves people that turn inwardly focused and just totally, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. In fact, he'll say, yeah, let me help you with that. Yeah, let me help you with that. Man, nobody loves you. Nobody cares. Look at that person. Just walk right by you. Nobody even acknowledge. And, and they will just, the devil will heap as much fuel on that pity party. He'll make a great big old banquet, if you will. Amen? But how many of you know that's not the solution either? Amen? Or we can patiently endure adversity knowing God will bring good out of it. God will bring good out. How many of you know God will not waste one experience we go through? You know, it's, you know listen, Jesus' greatest moment of adversity reaped the greatest blessing on mankind. Amen? Had he not gone through the adversity of the cross, they would not be the blessing of the resurrection. Amen? So listen, sometimes you got to get through the thorns before you can get the rose. Amen? But listen, don't worry about it. God's at large and in charge and he knows exactly where you are and he knows how to provide for you whether you're in the pit, the prison or regardless of where you're at. Amen? And so we got to respond favorably. You know, listen, Joseph obviously was patient during his adversity, wouldn't you say? Because nowhere as you read Joseph's story do you have a verse of Joseph went and attacked somebody Joseph went and punched somebody out. Joseph tried to escape jail. You know, Joseph, you know, and then, you know, one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible is tucked away in Genesis 50. You know that after Joseph interpreted that dream and, and, got, and he got delivered and he was put in charge, you know, the second man uh, to oversee all the, the, uh, the, uh, the harvesting of the grain to put a fifth in the borns so they would have plenty grain during the famine. And here comes the famine. Here comes the famine. And Joseph is in charge. And his brothers who sold him into slavery are getting hungry. And they got to go over to Egypt and sit at Joseph's feet and ask him, can I please have some grain? Now, Joseph could have just, he could have took them out, right? And so eventually he reveals that he is the brother. And of course, they are so fearful that we are done, man. We are done. I mean, we sold, we've sold this guy into slavery. He's in charge of all the food of the nation. We're in trouble. We're done. 
And Joseph recognizes the turmoil they're in. And in Genesis 50 and verse 20, the Bible says, Joseph said this, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. Joseph had a good perspective of adversity. God will use adversity to bring about his ultimate purpose in our life. Are y'all with me? You agree with that? You believe that? If we patiently endure, you might be going through adversity right now. Let me ask you, how are you facing this adversity? Is your total focus on an individual? Is your total focus on a circumstance? Or are you having a pity party? Listen, I know it's not easy to look at adversity and not, and, and to keep a positive attitude and a positive view. But listen, if you will and recognize that God can use everything, He will make some lemonade out of your lemons. All things will work together for your good. If you just look at it and know that God is in charge and He might just allow you to go through what you're going through right now because it's the next rung on the ladder and He's about to take you to a next level, a next blessing, and this is simply a test and He's wanting to see if you mean business with Him. Amen? Come on. Keep a good attitude. Keep your head up. Just say, listen, I'm not going to sit down and and, and entertain a pity party and and sit down with the enemy. I'm not going to blame everybody for my my adversity. I'm going to look at God and say, God, if I need to learn something, let me learn something. Lord, if I need to repent, Lord, show me where my attitude is wrong and let me get it right. Amen. And after you've done that, you just fasten your seatbelt and get ready because the God who, who sent his son to die for you is on your side. He loves you. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to succeed. And he knows exactly what you're going through. He's not asleep in the boat and he'll help you get through the other side. Amen. Amen. But listen, takes character, takes character, takes character to, to get that perspective. Hey, so James said this, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in nothing. You know, listen, you walk around these, these men and women of God that have been serving God for 50 years, have gone through the trials, gone through the tribulation, and you get around them, and you, you just, you have a sense that there's nothing that'll rattle them. There's nothing that'll get them out of the state and place of grace. They just seem to abide in the place of peace. How did they get there? They got there through adversity. They got there through hardship. They got there through learning to not become bitter when they went through tough times, but to look at God and say, God, I need your help. I need your grace. Lord, help me get my attitude right, get my heart right. Help me to be on the straight and narrow and do everything that you want me to do. Amen? And through that process, they finally get to the end. And now they've been serving God for a long time. And man, there's a joy about them. And you talk to them and say, how's things going? Well, I got this, 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 and this. Wow, I would have never known that. Well, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. There'll be more stuff. But I'm content. I'm happy. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Worst thing could happen to me is I die. And if I die, I get escorted into the arms of Jesus. And I get to spend eternity with Him forever and ever. And I ain't got to pay no bills. 
and I ain't got to deal with humidity. Amen. I don't have to deal with no contentious people. It's all going to be over. Amen. Come on. Are y'all with me out there? Come on. Stand with me. Let's close in prayer. Character. Character counts. It matters if you have character. You can have all the gifts, the abilities. You could be highly educated. But if you don't have character, your gifts and your talents will break, bring you to a place. But only your character can keep you. God can bless you with all kinds of blessings. But the only way to continually enjoy the blessings is character. Isn't that right? We need character, wouldn't you say? We need character. Would you bow your head with me? How many of you this morning would say, man, you know, God just used this little talk to talk to me. Maybe it was the, the issue about having a servant's heart, not being selfish and self-centered. Or maybe it might be just this, this thought of having compassion where you, can, where you can be compassionate and have pity for other people that are struggling. Or maybe it's the issue of purity. You say, man, I need, to, I, need to, I need to get some things right. Or maybe you're going through adversity and you just need some patience and you need the proper perspective and you need to get your attitude right in the adversity. How many of you today would say one of those things, talk to me today. I want you to just raise your hands. Now, I felt impressed to do something this morning. Those of you that raised your hands, I want to ask you to just slip out of the pew. We got some time left. I want you to slip out of the pew and come up to the altar. I want you to come up here. And this, we're just going to just, we come into the altar this morning, just kind of in a way of just saying, you know what, Lord, I know that character matters. And Lord, I'm convicted today. Hey, is conviction okay? Is conviction okay? If you're not convicted, you need to be concerned whenever you quit being convicted. Amen? Conviction is a good thing. And so come on, as you just stand here, what is it that God is convicting you of? What is God speaking to you about today? What is He talking to you about? Listen, some of you, maybe you need to repent. And you need to say, God, would you forgive me? God, would you forgive me? Some of you, maybe you need to say, Lord, I need a new heart today. God, I'm selfish. I'm self-absorbed. I'm only looking out for myself. How many of you today would say, Lord, I need a new heart today. Come on, just do business with God. Come on, talk to God and talk to Him. What are you up here for? What are you, what are you saying today? Come on, just ask God. Come on, maybe today, this morning, maybe you're in the thick of adversity and it's just been, it's been just, just, just wearing on you and wearing on you and wearing on you. I'm telling you, listen, even though the adversity is not over, the experience can be different if you will just say, Lord, I am not going to resist it. I'm not going to fight it. Lord, I'm 
just going to allow the process to take place. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, just lift your hands. Those of you that are up here, just lift your hands and say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender, Lord. I surrender. I want my heart to be right, Lord. I want my life to be right, Lord. Lord, I don't want to be, I don't want to be off track. I don't want to be in the wrong place. I want to be right. Help me today. Come on, cry out to God. Say, Lord, I want to be changed today. I don't want to go home the way that I came. I need your help today, Lord. I want godly character, Lord. I know it matters. I know it makes a difference, Lord. And I want it today. Come on, pour your heart out to God. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. And I praise you, Lord, for your grace that's being released right now over this place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray. Those that have hard hearts, those that have had callous hearts, I pray plow up the fallow ground. Plow up the hard ground. Lord, give them a tenderness, God. Give them compassion today. In the name of Jesus, I break that spirit. I break that selfish spirit. I break its power. I break its hull. And I declare right now, in the name of Jesus, that Lord, you are transforming lives today through the power of your spirit. Lord, we praise you and we thank you, God, for the work that you're doing. Amen. Now listen. Now listen. I want you to just... I want you to just change your focus now. And I want you to just begin to thank God. I want you to just begin to thank Him. Say, Lord, thank you. Come on, just tell Him. Say, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for helping me. Thank you, Lord, for helping me. Thank you for helping me, Lord. Thank you for changing me, Lord. Thank you for gracing me, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just begin to thank Him. Come on, how many of you believe God's changing you today? How many of you believe God is helping you today? Come on, how many of you believe God is honoring your heart before Him today? Come on, just talk to Him and say, Lord, thank you, Father God. Come on, come on. You can't thank Him without faith. You can't thank Him believing that God is hearing your prayer. You can't thank Him without, without the faith to believe that as you're presenting yourself to God this morning, that God is honoring that and God is touching your heart, touching your life, and giving you grace today. Thank you. Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Praise you, Lord. Amen. Listen, I want you to do one more thing before you go and sit down. Why don't you just put your hands out in the front of you like this. I want you to just put your hands out. And I want you to just surrender your life to Jesus. Come on. Just surrender to Jesus right now. Just say, Lord, I surrender to you. I yield to you, Lord. I yield to you. Come on, you are the clay. He's the potter. Come on, Lord, I'm not going to fight, Lord, what you're doing. I'm just going to submit to the process. I'm going to submit to what you're doing. Come on, come on, just give up right now. Just surrender right now. So, Lord, I give it. I give it all to you, and I surrender to you. Listen, in your surrender, the peace of God is going to come. The peace of God is going to flood your heart. Come on, he's going to give you, he's going to give you rest. He's going to give you just peace that surpasses all comprehension. Come on, he's going to give you deep abiding, deep abiding peace in your life. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of peace. Thank you, Lord, for the rest that you are releasing on your people today. In the mighty and the strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed shouted and said... Amen, amen. Now give God thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, be encouraged. Look, character is not built when everything is going good. 
Character is built when you go through the fire. Amen? When you go through the struggles. That's where character is built. So you are in prime time to just be different. Amen? You're in prime time for God to work a great work in your life. So be encouraged. Keep your head lifted high and know that God is working on your behalf. Amen? Amen. God bless you.